Today's scripture reading is from Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. So, Pastor Dave wanted me to introduce Pastor Daniel. Daniel and Jenny have been friends with Dave and Jess for nearly a decade. They met while they were both youth pastors. Daniel Thomas is a servant. He loves the Lord, his family, and God's people. Let's welcome him and see what the Lord might teach us through this message. Pastor Daniel. Thank you. I have a, uh, a little bit of a cough, a little bit of a residue, so if I cough into the mic and blow your eardrums, I'm sorry. So, Timmy, if you could be quick with the mute, that would be great, just to save everybody. Uh, let me fire up my computer. I'm super excited to be here. Um, you know, anytime I'm in this area, and especially now, I really feel like it's a little bit of a homecoming. The, back in, uh, I think it was 2006... My very first job out of college was a youth pastor. And I remember we were attending a little church here in San Carlos, and it was actually just right around the corner on Arroyo. And uh, it was called uh, the Mid-Peninsula Vineyard. Some of you may be familiar with it, right across from Central Middle School. And, uh, and it was a really just a really sweet time for, for me and my wife. Hold on, my, my uh, this technology is so awesome until it doesn't work, huh? Come on. It's in the wrong mood. Um, I guess this will work. Uh, that's fine. It was a really awesome um, season for me and my wife. Um, you know, it was during that time I had just met my wife. My wife and I met when uh, I, was, uh, I was in college. We got married when I was a senior in college. First job was a youth pastor right over here at the vineyard. And I remember we were attending the church and serving there, and they had, they had uh, gotten to the point where they wanted to ask for a youth pastor, and they, they approached us and said, you know, we'd love for you to think about coming and being the youth pastor for our church. And we prayed about it, we prayed about it, and eventually uh, God spoke to us about that was really where he wanted us. And I remember we had our first kid there, we now have three, and I remember just, it was just a really fun season of my life, and I, I really believe that God was really begin to bless us in that season. And just a real quick story, I, I just got a phone call last week from a, a young boy named Jordan Zexler, and Jordan grew up in Redwood City, and uh, he was a little pothead from Redwood City, and, you know, he had showed up at our church one Sunday and just kind of hanging out, wondering what church was, and he had had some family troubles and some family stuff, and, um, you know, God gave me the opportunity to pour into his life and share with him about Jesus, and we'd go meet at the Redwood City Skate Park and, you know, teach through the Bible with him. And, uh, and he just called me, I mean, this is over 10 years ago now, this was 12 years ago, and he just called me last week and he just wanted to thank me, you know, and there's nothing greater than, you know, a decade later having a young, you know, 16-year-old boy who grows up, who's now a father of his own, he says he's an aspiring youth pastor, he's in the military, and uh, he just said, hey man, I just want to thank you for taking some time to pour into me. And uh, it just was like, oh, it was awesome, you know, that's like what you, why we do this, right, to impact people's lives, and 
And it was in this season, it was in that season that I was telling my wife that I feel like God was really beginning to bless our lives. And what I mean by bless, I don't mean like, you know, we didn't have any problems or we were rich or, you know, everything was perfect because it wasn't. But what I mean by blessed is God really began to use us and make our lives purposeful for him. Um, He began to give us favor and he began to set us on a path and a journey that we're still on today. And my life wasn't always like that. I mean, there was a season in my life where I was really depressed. And my life was very, very difficult. And, I, you know, I could identify with, um, you know, people who say, you know, every time I make a decision, you know, it kind of leads me to a dead end. Or, or people who just have no meaning or purposeful purpose in their life. Um, there was a point when I felt like every decision I made was impacting those people around me in a really negative way. And I was hurting the people I cared most about. And uh, it, was, it was bad. I was in a bad place. And so today I want to talk a little bit about that because maybe there's people in here today, maybe you're feeling like, you know, my life isn't blessed. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with depression. Maybe you're here and maybe in the world's eyes you're very, very successful. Maybe you've successfully re- raised a family. Maybe you have a lot of money. Maybe you have a lot of material things. Um, But if you are honest, you know, there's really no purpose in your life. And so today I want to talk a little bit about what the Bible says about living a blessed life. How do we live a blessed life? And so if you've got a Bible, please open it up to Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. We're going to talk about a few verses that talks about what it means to have a blessed life. And I want to share with you a bit of my own story and how these verses have played out in my own life. So real quick, let's open up. Let's talk about Psalms real quick. Um, I'm going to try this one more time. Come on, flip. Let's talk about Psalms. So a little background. So Psalms is a book of poetry. And for those of you who who maybe know or don't know, um, the Bible isn't just kind of one book. The Bible is a ton of different books written by a number of different authors in a number of different languages over thousands and thousands of years. So it's really one of the most unique books out there. So if you're here today and you've never really read it, even if you want nothing to do with Christianity, the Bible's a great book just to read about in its historical value. It's an awesome book. Um, But a lot of these different books were written by different people with different literary styles. So some were like poetry books, some were historical accounts, some are letters, some are prophetic messages. So they're all kind of different. So the book of Psalms is a poetry book. And so when we read it, we're reading poetry. It was mostly written by a guy by the name of David. And David, if you're familiar with all the old uh, stories in the Old Testament, you know, um, um, I was about to say uh, David in the lion's den, but that was Daniel. Uh, David and Goliath, you know, that's the David we're talking about. He was a great king of Israel. Um, even today, you know, if you go to Israel historically, they, they revere King David as one of the great rulers of, of them. You know, that's a, he's like a, a patriarch of who they are. And, and he was the author of about half the Psalms. So there's another half. There were, there were, you know, there were mixed authors, and then there's some we don't know, really know who wrote. So the one we're going to look at today was, people generally think David wrote it, but we don't really know, but we'll just say David wrote it for, it just makes it easy. Um, And the thing about Psalms that's awesome is they really give us some insight into how God deals with humanity, because there's a lot of Psalms we'll see, like one that comes to my mind was Psalms 53, 
And that's a psalm of David where he's just talking about the, the anguish of the sin that he committed. You can really see the hurt and the brokenness of a man who has sinned against God. And there's other ones where you see joy, and he talks about the joy of, of overcoming his enemies in battle. And then there's others that talk about wisdom. So there's a ton of stuff in there. So today, Psalms 1 is really one of those psalms that talks about wisdom for how to live your life. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at this psalm. We're going to look about a little bit of wisdom on how we can live a blessed life. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go kind of verse by verse here. We're going to read one verse, talk about it a little bit, and then go into the next verses. And we're going to begin with Psalms 1-1. If you've got a, a pencil or pen, you take notes. Feel free to take notes. Um, and let's get into this. So Psalms 1-1 says this. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down that word walk. And who has not stood in the way of sinners. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down stood. And has not sat in the seat of scoffers. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down sat. So in Psalms 1-1, there's, there's two layers here I want to talk about. Um, the first layer is right here. David, or whoever wrote this, is giving us a a very clear direction of three things he does not want us to do if we want to live a blessed life, right? Three things that he does not want us to do if he wants us to live a blessed life. Number one, the first thing is he does not want us to walk in the counsel of the wicked, right? And so walking in the counsel of the wicked, I mean, it simply means have you begun to listen to the opinions and the advice of people around you rather than listening to the opinions and the advices of God? Um, and this is very important. I think if you really want to live a blessed life, you have to really guard who you listen to or the people that you take advice from. Um, you know, not everybody has your best interest in mind. Um, and so, real quick, two questions. Actually, there's a proverb. I'm going to read this proverb real quick. Proverbs 12:26 says, "The godly give good advice to their friends, but the wicked lead them astray." So, there's two questions I think we should all ask before we ask people for advice. Number one. Do they share your faith and your values? It is so important that when you ask people important questions that you understand who they are, their own faith, and their own value system. Um, because depending on what your faith is and what your values, you'll get hugely different answers to really important questions. My wife was telling me um, she has this friend on Facebook um, who will ask questions just to the world on Facebook that are really important, you know, and she'll just kind of throw it out there like, hey, how do you discipline your kids? You know, I mean, that's a really important question. And depending on how you view discipline and how you view faith and how you view God and is there a God or isn't there a God and, and how you view it, you'll get a ton of different answers. And so it's important that we don't just allow anybody to speak into our lives. We have to make sure that the people that we're getting counsel from have the same value in God, have the same faith in Jesus. The other question I think would be great to ask do they have anything to gain by your, by, by your decision, right? There's so many people, and I can see this in my own life. There were so many people that I allowed into my life that I would ask for advice. But in me asking for advice to these people, these people would only give me the answers that benefited them. It'd be a bit like going to a used car salesman and saying, hey, do you think I should buy a car? And they're like, yeah, of course you should buy a car, right? Well, of course, because they want to make some money, right? They have something to gain. And so oftentimes when we have people around us and we're asking them advice, we got to think, is, do they have anything to gain by this? Because is this really the right person to ask? 
Because oftentimes people are going to give you advice that only benefits them. So we got to be really careful about who we get advice from. Second thing. The second thing that God does not want us to do if we want to live a blessed life is he does not want us to stand in the way of sinners. Right Now standing in the way of sinners implies that you're not just getting advice from the wrong people. It implies that you've kind of moved past that and now you're kind of allowing you're allowing that advice to impact your decisions. You're allowing it to dictate where you go, what you do, what you see. You're beginning to be around that advice. And so simply, you've got to be careful where you go. What type of things do you allow into your life? I mean, I think back and there's so much wisdom in understanding, you know, is this place I'm going a place that's going to be beneficial for me? I mean, even simple questions like, is this movie I'm going to go watch? Is that something that's going to be beneficial to me? Um, is this party I'm going to go to? Is this work function I'm going to go to? Is this family function I'm going to go to? Are all of these things going to benefit me and who God wants me to be spiritually? Think about this. A couple of quick questions you should think about before you decide to go somewhere. Is my faith, is my faith going to be strengthened by going? And I think so many times there was places I went and at the end of it, when I came home, the, the only word I could use to describe how I felt was yucky. I mean, it just made me feel yucky. This is, just wasn't a place that I really needed to be at. Um, and for us, that's, that's a different place. And I don't know what that place is for you, but is there a place? It could be a family function where you come back and you're like, that was just so unhealthy. I just feel yucky. Um, but you really want to make sure that the place that you're going is a place that's going to allow you to strengthen your faith. Second question, am I free to be who Christ has created me to be? There are often times in my life when I would make decisions to go places and I felt like I had to take my faith, take my Jesus, put him in a little bucket, sorry, a little bottle and shove him in my pocket for the night or for the day or for the weekend because who I was and who he was wasn't appropriate for this environment. And I think that is never, ever, ever good. If you want to live a life that God's blessing you, you got to be who God created you to be in every circumstance. And I know that could be really hard, but that's a really important one. Third thing. What does God not want us to do? What does God not want us to do to live a blessed life? He says, sit in the seat of scoffers. So first we were, we were walking in the council, then we were standing in the way, and now we're sitting in the seat. And sitting in the seat, still again, it, it implies that you're, you're not just asking the wicked for advice or the ungodly or people who don't value God. You're not just hanging around in the places that they hang around with. But now you've completely surrounded yourself with people like that, and you're on your way to becoming like them. And the bottom line of this is you've got to be careful with the people you surround yourself with. There's a wise saying, and this one has impacted me so much. Show me a man's friends, and I'll show you a man's character. There is a direct link between the people you surround yourself with and the kind of character and the kind of person you will become. Proverbs 22 puts it like this, verses 24 through 25. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them, 
and endanger your soul. Now, in context, it's talking about angry and hot-tempered, but the principle's still there. The more you surround yourself with a certain type of person, the more you will be them. You surround yourself with people where all they care about is money, success, you know, moving up the corporate ladder. Well, I mean, that's, that's what you're going to care about. Surround yourself with people where all they really care about is, is family. I mean, I, I have a lot of friends where their family is kind of their God. I mean, and that's an easy trap to fall into. It's just all about family, family, family. Well, you're going to kind of just be a family person, and, and that's a good thing in and of itself. Surround, your people, surround yourself with people who all they care about is having a great time and going out on the weekend, and you're going to kind of become that. I mean, you're just going to care about having a great time and going out on the weekend. But if you surround yourself with God-fearing people who put his kingdom first, you're going to be a God-fearing person who puts his kingdom first. And so a quick question I would ask before you allow somebody really close into your life. Does this relationship push me further in my relationship, God, or tear me away? Now, I want to say something about this because... I am not a person who thinks that we have to surround ourselves with just a bunch of people who talk like us, act like us, and we're not allowed to have any people who are friends who aren't Christians. And, you know, if you're not a, if you're not a Christian, then you go away. I, I don't believe that. I mean, I have a ton of relationships with people who are non-believers, but there's opportunity in those relationships to pour into them. There's opportunities for me to serve them. There's opportunities for me to bless them. There's opportunities for me to glorify God by who I am in this relationship with them. There's opportunity for me to love on them. I mean, there's so many opportunities for me to be who God has called me to be, even though this person isn't necessarily a believer. I have other friends who are kind of further along in the journey of faith with me, and they're kind of pouring into me. You know, they're talking to me about how they raised their kids. And, you know, one of my uh, really good friends is 60 years old, and, uh, you know, I'm the same age as his kids. And And I love it. I mean, some people think I'm weird sometimes, but... It's this relationship I have where here's this man that in some ways I really identify with. And, you know, he's raised kids and he's done everything that I'm doing. And he's just this this resource of of life and encouragement to me. And so it's kind of like we're all in this this web of relationships where people are pouring into us and we're pouring into them. And it's kind of like this flow back and forth. And so, but there are other relationships that are really draining. And there are people you can get involved with where they're going to ridicule you and they're going to mock you. They're going to persuade you away from your faith. And those are the type of unhealthy, damaging relationships we have to be really careful for. So two layers I talked about. First layer, real quick, three things that God does not want us to do. Now there's a second layer there. Remember those words I had you write down? It was walk, stand, and sit. I'm going to grab the stool real quick. Excuse me. Babe, get, get my water. Walk, stand, and sit. So the second layer of this is really talking about these verbs that the Bible uses in this. And I don't think it's any accident that when David wrote this or whoever wrote it wrote it, he used the words walk, stand, and sit. And the idea here is that these, these three things aren't just three random things. Thank you very much, John. But they're actually interconnected to one another. And what we're actually seeing here is a progression, right? So let me give the example. So if I'm going to sit in that chair, 
I, I mean, I can't just go from where I'm at to that chair and sit down. It just doesn't work, right? I mean, I have to first do what? I have to walk over to it, right? And then before I sit down, I have to stop. I got to stand over it. I got, I got to line myself up, right? And then I can sit down. So it's the idea that there is this progression of really sin in walking away of disobedience to God. And, you know, when we look at what David lays out in here, right, as he talks about walking, I mean, the first thing is really beginning to listen to people that are ungodly, right? That's the beginning. We start walking. We're listening to people. And then as we listen to people, we start allowing what they hear to dictate our actions, our decisions, our choices, where we decide to go, what we decide to take in, and from there we're standing. And then soon enough, after time goes by and time goes by, pretty soon we're sitting. And we've allowed all those decisions to to impact the people we put around us, the decisions that we make. And before we know it, we're completely surrounded with people who have no value for God and are living lives contrary to the plan and purpose God has for them. and, And you become trapped. And this is really powerful for me because this is what I saw play out in my own life in a very real way. Um... I mean, when I was little, and I'm going to give a little bit of my story here. I'm not going to take too long here. But when I was little, seven years old, I remember giving my life to the Lord. My mom, my mom shared it with me. And it was, it was really true for me. I mean, I really believed what she said about Jesus and the cross and the forgiveness of sins and having a relationship with God. And all those things were so real to me. And, and I remember when I said, yes, I meant it. Now, I was seven and I said it with a seven-year-old heart and a seven-year-old mind, and I, I don't have the experience and the understanding that I do today, but it was real. Um, but I remember even early on in junior high and high school, I remember knowing the truth, but still caring a lot about what people thought about me. I was a, a pleaser. I still am a recovering pleaser. Um, caring so much about what people thought about me that I would begin to put more value in people's opinions of me than God's opinions of me. And even as a young man, I began to kind of walk towards the chair. And then I remember as I became older, when I, when I graduated high school, I joined the Marine Corps. I mean, it was, a, it was a, one of those, we could talk about that later. It was a crazy experience. But I remember be, even being in the, the Marine Corps, I still had this pleaser mentality. And those opinions be, be able to kind of take root in me. And I began to make decisions about the people I surrounded myself with, the places I went, who I'd become. I mean, I would still tell people I was a Christian. But my decisions did not reflect that. And I began to, to, to kind of stand in the way, stand in the path, as you would. And then I remember by the time I got out of the Marine Corps and I was going to college... I remember my, just one day looking at my life, and it was like just this complete turn from God. And, and I remember just thinking to myself, you know, I was totally, totally sitting in the chair by this point. I remember thinking to myself, man, how did I get here? How did I get from being this seven-year-old boy who, with all of his heart, wanted to commit himself to God and his purposes to a complete turn from who I knew God wanted me to be? And the answer is, it didn't happen in a day. It happened over 10, 12 years, and it was this slow progression of sin in my life, starting with walking, from standing to sitting. I want to take a minute, and I want to play a music video from a group called Casting Crowns. And this is a powerful video for me, and it really demonstrates this point of, of a, and the, the, the title of the song is called A Slow Fade. And it's really fading from who God is calling you to be 
to a world of sin. So, Timmy, can you play that? Second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings. Be careful, little feet, where you go. For it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade. When black and white turn to gray and thoughts invade, choices are made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow
go on a business trip. Do you have to? Well, maybe they can do without me this time. about that video that it, in my mind are really powerful. Number one, um, I love how they show, the, they show the whole video backwards. And the point of that is to show that all of that, you know, the betrayal of his family, the, the crumbling of his family, the, the adultery, all started with one simple decision, right? Going on that business trip, right? And so there's this idea that, you know, these things start small. That walk, that walk towards the chair is a very, very small step. But as time goes on, that you get deeper and deeper and deeper. The other thing is the end when it says, daddies never crumble in a day. People never crumble in a day. Families never crumble in a day. Right? It's a slow fade. It's a compromise. And, and, and that was where I was at. That was, that was my story. Um, in 10 years, I slowly faded into a life of compromise. But, but here's the thing. My, the story doesn't end there. Like, God had a plan for my life. Am I on, Timmy? God had a plan for my life, and he had a plan for restoration for me. And, and really the key to how God restored me continues as we read verse 2. So let's, let's keep going into verse 2. Verse 2 says this. Now, real quick, notice in the first verse, God gives us three things he does not want us to do to have a blessed life. In the second verse, he starts giving us what he does want us to do. He says this in verse 2. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law Day and night. So the law of the Lord really in this is a reference to the, the, the first five books of the Bible. It's a reference to the, the Torah. But really it can mean any of God's written revelation to man. And so for us now living thousands and thousands of years, this just isn't the five books. It's also the Old Testament and also the New Testament for us. So he says, but who delights, right, who finds pleasure in the counsel of God and his word, instead of the ungodly and the world. Who is finding joy in the counsel and being surrounded by the people of God and his truth and his word, and delighting in it day and night, getting it in them? Are they reading it? Are, they allow, are you, are we allowing the truth of God to shape our life, or are we allowing the opinions of others? I mean, that's a powerful thing. What shapes you? God's truth or the opinions of the people around you? The opinions on social media, the opinions on the news, the opinions in the political sphere, the opinions at work, the opinions in your family. Everybody's trying to give us messages about who, we, who you need to be. But we need to understand who God wants us to be. Are you allowing the truth of God to guide you? Right? What is dictating the direction of your life? People around you, your family members, your coworkers, your quest for success? Or are you allowing God's truth to dictate that? It says that person would be like a tree planted. I love this part. He's like a tree planted by streams of water. I mean, there's this picture of this healthy tree planted next to water, just drinking it up, and, and, and it yields fruit, and its branches are full, and, you know, and, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. 
And I don't know if you've ever seen a, I grew up at my grandma's house and they always had these big fruit trees, you know, this big plum tree and plums would fall over the place and it was a mess and we'd go out there and step on them and it was horrible, but it was beautiful. They were delicious and and, and orange trees. And then I've been over to people's houses where they're like, yeah, that's my lemon tree. And there's like one lemon on it. It's dying. And you're like, but the contrast between like this healthy tree bearing fruit. I mean, it's really a picture of, of a healthy life. Somebody whose life is bearing fruit is somebody who's impacting those people around us and being a force for, for God's kingdom in their life and bringing life and love and encouragement into all the people around them and who feel like God is using them and their life is of purpose and, and direction. And, and the question is, 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 it's really a picture of having a blessed life. Being used by God. And, and this is a summary of, of my restoration that God gave me. I remember getting to the place where I was sitting in this chair and just thinking, like, what in the heck happened to me? And I remember the first thing that I could think of. I remember, um, and this is great for those who have kids. I remember growing up, my mom, God bless her, Saturday mornings when I was watching TV, I would always come in and she was on her knees next to her bed praying. And I just remember, you know, like, wow, that's like just I used to get on my knees next to her and, you know, pretend and, you know, pretend I was praying too. I was little, you know, but I remember when I was sitting in this chair and my life was totally just upside down, those images came to my mind and I thought, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to read my Bible. And I just started praying. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what to pray. I I mean, I was just like, I'm going to pray. Get on my knees. My mom got on my knees, on her knees. And I remember starting reading the Bible and and reading it for real this time. You know, you don't really want to know what it says until you really want to know what it says. And I remember coming to this verse, and this verse really impacted me in a a powerful way. And it's 1 Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 10. It says, and this this is a letter, the Corinthians, written by a guy named Paul to a church in Corinth. And he says, do you not know, and they were struggling with some stuff. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And I remember, man, reading that thing, and I was like, one, two, three, four, four. There was like four things there that was me on the list, you know? And I just realized, I'm like, man, I am completely living a life that I thought I'd never live. And I remember the weight of my sins just kind of fell on me. And I remember having sleepless nights and nights I just couldn't sleep. And finally, I mean, I had grown up in the church. I, had, I knew the message of salvation. I knew that Jesus forgives sins. I knew what I had to do. And I remember just one night getting on my knees in the middle of my room all by myself and just saying, Lord, forgive me. I received Jesus. Please forgive me my sins. Please give me peace at night. And then I remember going to sleep that night and just over and over saying, Lord, change me. Lord, change me. Lord, change me. And, and looking back, I mean, nothing like super miraculous happened. You know, the, the heaven didn't open up and the angels didn't blow their trumpets on me. And, you know, um, but for the first time in my heart, there was a seed of hope. And I knew that God had a plan for my life. And I knew that God wasn't done with, done with me. And so slowly I began to spend more time in the Bible. I began to allow that truth 
to impact me and dictate who I knew God wanted me to be. I begin to start listening to the right people and surrounding myself with the right people so that the people who were speaking into my life, I knew were speaking God's truths into my life. And it wasn't just popular opinion. I begin to be mindful of the things I was allowing and the people I was allowing into my life. And not that I, you know, you know, there was a season where there were a lot of people I had to cut ties with because it was unhealthy. But the Lord began to put new great relationships into my life. The Lord began to add on to me. I mean, people like Pastor Dave and Jessica. I mean, the type of people that are going to speak life into you and encourage you and to be there when things are hard and not kind of kick you aside because you're struggling. And slowly, God began to bless me. And my life now is definitely not perfect. I'm definitely not perfect. I definitely have struggles I mean, I don't want to paint the picture that if you follow God, everything's great because it's not. There's still trials. There's still heartache. There's still difficulties. But man, my life has purpose. There is a direction I am going, and God is using me. And every day he encourages me. I know he has a plan, and I know he's not done with me. And so my life is good, and it is purposeful, and it is blessed. And so today, I just want to close with a question. Are you living a blessed life? Right? And if the answer is no, the question is why not? And maybe some of you are here today, and maybe as we talked about the chair, you know, maybe you, you, in your mind, you're like, man, I'm walking towards that chair. I am just looking for advice in all the wrong places. Maybe some of you are here today, and you're full on sitting in the chair. And you're here today and you realize that your life is completely turned from God. And I don't know what that means for you. Um, It doesn't always look the same for everybody. But you know right now God is speaking to you and saying, you need to turn. I have a plan for your life and this is not it. And maybe some of you are today and you just don't know who God is. You don't know Jesus. You don't know the story of the cross. And you, you don't know why Jesus came. And I want to encourage you to find somebody and talk about that. Because the only regret that I have about turning to Jesus is that I didn't do it sooner. And so today, here's my encouragement. It's never too late to begin a faith journey with God. It's never too late for God to restore you. And it's never too late to turn and start walking with and towards God. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord, and the powerful Life, it gives us, Lord, as we meditate on it, as we um, read it, as we apply it to our lives, Lord. And I just pray for every individual in this room, Lord, that you would bless them, Lord. That this week would be the beginning of a newfound blessing, Lord, in you, Lord. That their lives would be lives of purpose and enjoyment and fruit and encouragement, Lord. And that you would use each person in this room to impact those people around them, Lord, whether it's at work or at school, or in their families, or even in this room, Lord. So we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.